0: Welcome to Salisbury Sermons, a podcast ministry of First United Methodist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Today's sermon is a continuation through the Story 2021, our discipleship emphasis for this year, where we are encountering God anew in the story of scripture from beginning to end. Our gospel lesson comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. Listen with me for God's word. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, you call to us across the chaos of the moment. And we ask for your strength to hear, to respond, and to follow. Quiet our hearts and minds so that we might be fully present with you in this moment. All this we pray through Jesus Christ. Amen. How do you know you're making good decisions? We have so many decisions and choices that we make all across the day, even seemingly small ones like, which pair of socks do I wear? What do I eat for breakfast and when do I eat it? Do I dive straight into my emails in the morning or do I need to get the kids set up on their Zoom first? We place a premium on the ability to choose, especially here in the United States. We love to be able to choose, especially when it impacts us. We love lots of options and we love input. Research has shown that even small choices can improve our happiness and our health. In a study of a nursing home, even a small decision like, would you like a plant in your room, or which night would you like to be movie night, drastically improve residents' health and the length of their life. Each year when we train for Camp Discovery, we have seasoned mentors help to train the others. In 2019, we asked Bob Johnson to help the new mentors to learn how to maybe handle some of the difficult moments of camp, and he explained how important it was to offer campers a choice. We don't give them a choice about whether they're gonna shower or not, but it's incredibly powerful to say, would you like to shower now before we go to bed and maybe miss out on some of the fun, or would you like to wake up early and take your shower? Would you like to do this activity first or this activity first? Even that small choice and opportunity for empowerment is so important. All the choices we make, all the decisions we make through the day add up. All of them cost energy and resources in our brain. And so we need a way to manage our choices. Most of the time we have routines. We, we know what order we're going to do things in the morning. We know when we go to that restaurant what our favorite meal is. We have routines, we systematize, we create habits, and we have defaults to try to help manage the energy it costs to make decisions. We even make decisions about how we are going to make decisions. If we're overwhelmed, we tend to default either for something that we've done in the past or we default to not choosing something. A few years ago, there was a study done called the Jam Study. Sheena Iyengar, a psychologist did a study with a gourmet grocery store that has hundreds and hundreds of options for different mustards and jams and condiments all the choice and variety that you could want. They asked the question what those choices did to the consumers that came into the store. So they set up a display by the door of the store. Customers were greeted one day with a display of 24 jams to try. They could sample them and if they stopped, they got a $1 coupon off for their next purchase of jam. The next day, they tried it with just six jams. When the larger display was present, more options available and visible to people, more people stopped at the display, but they were one-tenth as likely to actually purchase something. And if they purchased with that many options, they were usually less satisfied with their choice at the end. Those who stopped at the booth with six jams, they were more likely to buy and they were more likely to be satisfied. So even though we love choices, even though they're important and we can buy in and experience happiness with them, more choice is not always better and we're not always so good at choosing what we need. And sometimes it doesn't create the satisfaction that we're looking for. This week in the story, we pick up again in the story of Exodus. All of Exodus to this point is leading to this momentous, precipitous occasion where the Israelites are finally let go by Pharaoh after more than one plague. And they're ready to cross the Red Sea. And they look back and Pharaoh's army and all the Egyptians are coming to collect them again. There's a great urgency in this moment. Everything has been building to this climax of God's activity. Before them is the sea and the water of the Red Sea. Whenever you see this in scripture, water represents chaos, unpredictability, even death. So they see that in front of them. It's not the sort of calm waves that soothe us that we Uh, image when we go to the beach and we're ready to relax. This is the kind of churning, whipped up waves, the darkness that might consume us in front of them and the Egyptians behind. And so the Israelites raise out their voice again like they have earlier in Exodus and cry, but they don't cry, save us God, as they had before. They cry to Moses and they say, Were there not graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die in the wilderness? Wouldn't it be better off for us to be back in Egypt and to die there in slavery? I don't know about you, but at this point in reading scripture, I just had to stop. (laughs) I roll my eyes at the Israelites. Is it really? Would it really be better to die under oppression and backbreaking work than to die at least out here in the freedom of the wilderness with God having led you out of your circumstances? When we read scripture, as we encounter God and God's people in the story, it, it should prompt us to stop and ask questions. It should prompt us to stop and wonder, because God uses those moments for our transformation. When I stopped, it gave me space for compassion for the Israelites. They don't know what's ahead. They don't know that they can go right through the Red Sea with God's help. They don't know what to do, and they do not have the capacity to save themselves. And you know what? None of us do either. And then I recognized this is a story about God, pointing to God's agency and change, God's saving action in the world. And this moment leading the Israelites to the Red Sea is a cosmic event of salvation. It's something God uses to show us the way that God saves throughout all time and space. This is a pattern that God will follow even today to lead us out of our chaos and oppression. The God who created dry land out of water at the very beginning of Genesis creates again here, blowing so that the dry land appears at the very bottom of the Red Sea. God's people are told to to stand and watch what God will do for them be ready to participate at the right moment but make no mistake this is God acting on your behalf even the Egyptians realize it. they say God is fighting on behalf of the Israelites it's always only God who saves God works this work of creation again making a way where there was none making dry land again from the chaotic waters of the sea, of chaos, of death. It's always only God who saves, but we are called to participate. The only way for the Israelites is through the waters that represent chaos and death and destruction. Their vision was defined by the Egyptians that were behind them, but now God makes a way for their vision to be defined by what God is doing. In the saving work of God, there's one particular flavor we call prevenient grace. This means God goes before us and prepares the way for us, calling us into relationship before we even know the name of God, we know who God is or that God is the savior of all before we even know God is creator, before we have the capacity to say, yes, there is God paving the way for us where there is no way and calling out our name. In the Gospel of Matthew, we pick up with Jesus' story right at the beginning of his ministry. He has just been tempted in the wilderness before his official start and he gets the word that his cousin John has been arrested. Now this is a real threat to Jesus and his ministry because John the baptizer was preparing the way for him and his ministry and his declaration of the kingdom of God. Jesus could have chosen to stay in the wilderness with the angels to serve him and to take care of him. but. Jesus chooses to head out and start his ministry. He goes to Galilee and he calls his first disciples. I want us to note this scene should look a little familiar to us from Exodus. Here we find the disciples on the water. Now they have some familiarity with it because they're fishermen and they're used to catching fish, but there's an inherent danger in their work. Jesus calls brothers Peter and Andrew, fishermen. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. And then he turns to the next set of brothers, James and John, come follow me. Matthew says they immediately put down their work and left to follow him. There's a dramatic urgency to the scene. The disciples are called and they respond and they follow. But for me today in this reading of the story, I'm comforted by the knowledge of God's prevenient grace at work. In John's gospel, we read that Andrew was a disciple of John the baptizer. Andrew has heard John talk about the one who was coming, the Messiah, the savior of all the nations working through Israel. And he hears John say, this is the Lamb of God, the savior of the world. He's heard that message come before Jesus. And so when Jesus says, Andrew, come and follow me. He's been prepared. He's ready. He recognizes God at work for salvation and he's able to respond, yes, I will follow you. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to follow him. John the baptizer drew people from all around to his work of baptism of repentance, of preparing the way for Jesus to come. When Jesus walks on the scene, he calls us to then follow him. Jesus invites people as they are, from where they are, being just who they are. All it's asked of them is that they follow. These fishermen are invited from the chaos of the sea onto dry land to follow Jesus, where they will fish for a different kind of thing. They will fish for people. This invitation of Jesus is compelling to them because they've heard of him, they've experienced his teaching, and they've been primed by God's grace to answer when Jesus calls. Jesus has been teaching and proclaiming the kingdom and healing people of all sorts of illnesses proclaiming the kingdom by those very actions. To Simon and Andrew, he promises these expanded skills to fish for people, but they don't know what that means exactly yet. They don't know what the future holds, but they do recognize that God is inviting them from the chaos of the sea onto dry land. I think too often we make the choice to follow Jesus too complicated. It is wonderful, there are lots of personalized choices that we can make, things tailored to us and our gifts as disciples, ways that we can encounter scripture, ways that we can pray, ways that we can participate in the community of Christ's believers, but the choice is really a simple one in front of us. Will we follow Jesus onto dry land? Or will we default to the status quo? Will we be overwhelmed by the chaos rather than following the path laid out in front of us? Even if you made a choice to follow Jesus 80 years ago or yesterday, Today, on the journey that is lifelong, that question is still in front of you. Today, will you follow Jesus? Will you hear him calling your name? Put down trappings and leave to follow him. If you've never been baptized or you're approaching a watershed moment in your life and you need to remember your baptism, I'd love to talk to you further. God is working on you and in you through provenient grace so that you're ready to answer that question of God's. When we follow Christ, when we enter into the covenant of baptism, that water is still there. That water in the font still represents chaos and death and uncertainty. But you and I enter into that water with Jesus Christ. We participate in his death so that we might rise with him to new life on dry ground, solid footing for all the choices that we have in front of us each day. when we follow Jesus. It's a simple choice. Where is Christ at work in your life, around you, in front of you? Where has God prepared the way for dry ground to be revealed in front of you? Wherever that is, follow Christ there. Sometimes that means physically changing our work just as the fishers did when they left to become fishers of men disciples. Sometimes we're called to change where we work, what we do, our circumstances for the cause of Christ, but sometimes we're set to do the same tasks again for a different purpose, for the sake of Christ and God's kingdom. I love the approach to evangelism that encourages us to make a friend, be a friend, and bring a friend to Christ. Because through you and me, followers of Christ, we can be an agent of God's prevenient grace working in someone's life. And when the time is right, the saving agent, Jesus Christ, will call out to them, follow me. And you can be there to walk with them on dry ground. God's pattern of salvation leads us into a new future, one that will transform our life, the lives of those that we love, and ultimately the whole entire world. But this morning, let's look at the choice right in front of us. When is the last time you chose to follow Jesus? This morning, this day, choose. Choose to follow Christ. Choose to follow the Waymaker. Choose to follow the one that will make dry ground appear right in front of you. You might walk through walls of water, chaos and destruction all around, but right in front of your feet, dry land will appear because of the saving, prevenient grace of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share us with your friends. For more information about FUMC and our mission to make and nurture Christian disciples through the presence and power of God, We invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and please visit our website at fumcsalsbury.org.